praise you. We need more of your glory. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. We thank you that the King of glory is in the house today. We acknowledge you in this place. We worship you in this place. Somebody help me praising the King of glory. We give to you adoration. We give to you praise. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Wow. We are standing together today. Let's pray for those who are in need. Many of you, some of you, some of you might remember Brother Al Velasquez was here a long, long time ago. He had a lung transplant. They told him he could not live in Bakersfield, California, and didn't give him much longevity of life. And he has, uh, he's lived some good years. He's got a family, children. He's in the hospital and uh, he's in the San Diego area. So we want to pray for him. We want to pray for the Reese family, Sister Gloria. She passed away last night at about 2.45. So we want God to touch their family and be with them. <clears throat> Amen. There's people that are sick, but I'm thankful in the house of God today we know a healer. Amen. So let's join together right now. Lord, we love you and praise you. I thank you for your greatness and your goodness in the house of God today and know that you're a God that brings strength and healing to us. We pray that you would touch every need that's represented in this place and requests that are made beyond this place. We pray that your anointing and your hand and your ability will be extended. We give to you many, many thanks because you are a gracious God. Today in the house of God, we feel your anointing and your presence and your spirit. Hallelujah. And so we thank you and we praise you. Let's thank him together for a work that is already done, even though we may not see it. We put our confidence, amen, in a God that is well able. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Well able to do above and beyond what we could even think or ask. Amen. Praise God. Are you thankful for God's goodness in the house of the Lord today? Amen. If you are, then turn around to somebody and meet and greet them and tell them God is good. God is good all the time. God is good. Shout and sing Standing on the promise 
you for your word. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 59, and we will read verses 9 through 15. Israel is walking in darkness, and the prophet speaks about pertinent things. Amen. Isaiah chapter 59, verse number 9. Uh, 59, verse 9 is where we will start reading. While you're turning there, we covet your prayers. We will be leaving right after service, heading to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee for the WPF Worldwide Pentecostal Fellowship Summit Conference. Did not have it last year because of COVID, and so this year will be a busy time of business and what have you. So please pray for us. We will leave today. We will be back on Saturday. And while we are gone, let revival take place. Amen. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 59, verse number 9. Therefore is judgment far from us, neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity, for brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, and judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. Israel is walking in darkness. And in verse number 14, truth has fallen in the streets. Now, what's fascinating about this is this is not speaking to the secular world. It's speaking to the people of God. And for a few moments here this morning, I just want to preach to you about truth is fallen in the streets. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We ask that you would direct us this morning for a few moments of time that your word would be a strength to us and that truly we would stand upon the promises of God. We acknowledge you and praise you. We thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Truth is fallen in the streets. The wise man once said, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom, instruction, and understanding. In other words, you need to, you need to purchase these things. He's saying that not necessarily in a monetary form, but there needs to be an investment and a purchase of the truth of God. Buy it, sell it not. Wisdom, instruction, and understanding. And these are the things that we need in our society and culture today. It was words of wisdom from ancient time. But this is why the word of God is so very powerful, because the word of God stands the test of time. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will not pass away. This morning, I'm thankful that there is a word that I can trust 
and stand upon. They are promises that God has given to us. It doesn't matter what age you live in. doesn't matter what age you are. The word of God is a value and a source of strength to us. I'm standing upon the word of God. And it is a foundation that is stable. It is not shifting sand. But it is a cornerstone. And the chief cornerstone is Jesus himself. You thankful for the word of God here today? Amen. I'm thankful that it courses, directs my every step. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to your word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Hallelujah. It is a direction. It is a light unto my path. My path today is illuminated by the word of God. I may live in dark times, but his word illuminates some things to me, provides to me truth, provides to me wisdom, provides to me understanding. If you're confused today in the house of God, or even if you're out of the house of God today and you're watching somewhere, I want you to know that the word of God can be a strength to you. You may may feel like there are no answers, but when you get into his word, you find some strength there. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands and thank the Lord for his word. Amen. Truth was obviously important to the wise men. So that would ponder and, and cause us to ponder what is truth and what does it mean to us. I would say to you that truth today in one particular definition would be that which corresponds to reality. And our actions reflect what we believe to be true and really real. I'm thankful for apostolic people that believe the word of God. They live it and it comes out in their actions. Your actions are a direct representation of what you believe. And today I want to believe the word of God. Paul said this when he was talking to the Roman church. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God that, that, it, that goes to the Jew, to the Gentile, to everyone that believes. I'm not ashamed of his word today. I want to stand with the apostle and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it brings salvation. Not only does it bring salvation, but it brings strength and it brings encouragement and it brings peace and it brings comfort. The word of God is able to bring all of those things to us no matter where we stand. I don't know where you're standing today, but I want to stand firmly planted on the word of God. More to be desired are his words than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. In the house of God today, there is something sweet that we have, and it is the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So what is truth? It is that which corresponds to reality. I'm not convinced that what we see and hear nowadays is reality. I believe, in fact, that it is an illusion that is not really real. There are puppet masters. There are people behind the curtain creating a story and a narrative, and they believe that that is true. But I'm convinced today in the house of God that is nothing but a fabrication. What is true is the word of God. What is true is the power of God. What is true is the gospel, the good news of God. And we need to tell it to somebody else. 
Amen. Truth is valuable because it produces something in us. When you fall in love with the truth, it produces something in you and it changes you and it comes out in your actions. Praise God. We say we are following, proclaiming, and celebrating what? Truth. Truth because it transforms us and we put that into action and we follow out the dictates of the kingdom of God. If we have no truth, we would have no direction. If we had no truth, we would have no foundation. If we had no truth, we would have no salvation. If there was no truth, there would be no redemption. If there was no truth, there would be no healing. But today, there is truth, and that's what I'm following, and that's what I'm proclaiming. And, ladies and gentlemen, that's what I'm celebrating today, because the scripture said, he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You don't have to be bound today. There's liberty in the house of God today. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands. Praise God and shake off some cobwebs this morning and say, God, thank you. Woo! Thank you for the truth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. The truth, the truth does amazing things. Isaiah, earlier on in this book, we started out reading Isaiah, and Israel is in a terrible predicament. They're walking in darkness. Truth has fallen in the streets. There is no justice. There is no equity. And I love the part when they say, we know our iniquities. Did you know, I, this? I'm getting ready to go on a tangent here, but I'll make it a quick one. They said, we know our iniquities because our iniquities are with us. Did you know that the power of Calvary is that it covers our iniquities? And God expects us when we cover our iniquities, not carry them around or know them in the way that is being described here. Calvary is able to wash and cleanse, and the blood that was shed comes from the ultimate sacrifice. Not this Old Testament, find a lamb and bring a sacrifice and once a year kind of thing. I'm talking about the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You don't have to walk around and know your iniquities like that. If the blood of Calvary washes and cleanses you, you can stand here today with your hands raised and say, if, if it's ever brought up, it's because of the enemy and the devil is a liar because Jesus washes and cleanses and renews me every single day. I don't have to leave this place the same way that I came in, but an uplifted hand and a blood that, that washes and cleanses can take care of the sin problem and the iniquity problem. Hallelujah. You don't have to be ashamed. You can lift your head high. You can lift your head high, your hands high, and you can testify about God's goodness and God's faithfulness. Is there anybody here today that has a testimony? If you do, just raise your hand and let us see who you are. God is good to us. The truth transforms Isaiah earlier in his writings, this prophetic book, this major prophet. Isaiah chapter 6, he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and he saw angels speaking and crying, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the doorposts moved and the building moved and the house was filled with smoke. 
And this is where Isaiah, when confronted with the power of the truth, when confronted with the power of the truth, said, I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. When the word of God comes into direct contact, the truth of God comes into direct contact with you. It exposes who we are. I want to say this emphatically here today. I don't want to come with some kind of facade hiding behind some kind of facade. I want the word of God to expose even the most inward motivations of my heart. I can fool you, but I can't fool God. And I can't fool the word of God. And I can't fool the preaching of the word of God. God, I want to come to you like Isaiah and see you high and lifted up. And then you pinpoint some things in my life that will keep me from being effective in the kingdom of God. Strip that away from me so that I can live in the totality and the successful ability that you've called me to be when you get into God's presence like this it exposes who we are and Isaiah said I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips not only does truth impact me but it impacts people and culture that are around me because Isaiah said I've seen the king and the Lord of hosts and at some point because of all of that he said here am I Send me. God is wanting to put us into the responsiveness of action. The glory of God should expose who I am. The truth of God should reveal things to me and the culture around me. But ultimately, it should set forth a calling in my life. And I should put it into action. I should go in every area of my life. This beginning verse is an Old Testament verse. But the entire Bible is about the revelation of God's ability and person. And it culminates in Jesus Christ. Everything is looking forward. Everything is projecting forward. And we read about it here this morning. The government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want to experience the wonderful. I need counsel. I need peace. I need the everlasting Father. Praise God. I need these attributes in my life. This is what the truth is. I know people have let you down. I know the world has let you down. I know they have lied to you and they've marketed sin and it's been an absolute failure in your life. But thank God today you're here so that a preacher could tell you that he brings truth to you, freedom to you. It's not a lie. He will never, ever misuse you, abuse you, but he will save you. Hallelujah. Amen. He will save you. He will save you. Praise God. Why did Jesus come in the flesh? There's many options, and people have talked about them, and you can find various verses because he satisfies so many, so many of those desires. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 puts it this way, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. So Timothy would say, 
that Jesus Christ has come to reveal the mystery of godliness. Amen. The mystery is not in a, a philosophical understanding of who God is. The mystery is the incarnation of God manifest in flesh. That is the mystery of godliness. The mysterion of godliness is God was manifest in the flesh. John puts it this way in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John is directly correlating with the very opening pages of the scripture when God creates the heaven and the earth. Here, it's the word. And so it's directly attributed to Jesus himself because in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So for John, the reason that Jesus would come in the flesh is so that he would bring grace and truth to us and that he would walk in our shoes and that he would be a also a high priest and then also a lamb. He would be both. He would understand us. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17, Jesus said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. So some could say Jesus came and he came to fulfill the prophets and the law, not to do away with them, but bring a greater clarity to them, a, a larger expansion of understanding to them. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, for even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So Mark would say the reason Jesus came is to minister. Amen. In this place today, we've had opportunity for Jesus to minister to us. And you can accept it or you can reject it. But today I've accepted the ministry of his work. He brings strength to us. Amen. And so if you came to the house of God today in a few moments of time, I saw you up here worshiping and seeking God. God was ministering to you. Mark chapter 1 verse 38. He said unto them, this is Jesus, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. So some could say Jesus came to preach. He came to preach the good news. He is saying this is what he came for himself. John chapter 9 verse 39. Jesus said for judgment I am come into this world that they which see not might see and they which see might be made blind. I'm coming to reach for those who are hungry. And there is a judgment that is coming that is that is equally represented by mercy that is presented. Amen. So some could say that he came for judgment. There are many, many of these kinds of verses. I particularly like first John chapter three and verse number eight. He that committed sin is of the devil for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of of the devil. <laughs> what is the devil? The devil is a liar. That's what the devil is. And Jesus is coming bearing a sword to defeat the works of the devil. If the devil has ever lied to you, Jesus came for the express purpose of destroying the works of the devil. I want you to know here today that I as a personal witness, I want to tell you I hate what sin does. 
It is so damaging. It is a lie. It's filled with dysfunction and hurt and shame. But thank God Jesus said, I'm coming and I'm going to destroy the works of the devil. Some of you have a testimony. You were under the works of the devil, but Jesus destroyed the works of the devil in your life. And you're here today because you had faith in a Savior that that said, I can pluck you out of where you are. I can destroy the bondage that you're in. I can destroy the shame that you're in. And I can give you peace. Praise God, I feel faith in this place. Come on, clap your hands like you really mean it this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for truth. Truth may be fallen in the streets somewhere, but truth is alive and well in the house of God today. Amen. What a liar he is. John said there's a collision between heaven and earth, between what is a lie and illusion and what is real and what is a reality. Jesus, when he's standing before Pilate, John spends more time on Pilate than any of the other synoptics. And the synoptics simply mean side by side. You take Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they parallel each other so closely that a synoptic gospel, you can look from one to the other and see what one might have added and what one might have left out. But then in the column of John, <laughs> you've got a much different story because John moves stuff around. He's got these long dialogue. And he has, in his gospel, the, the most uh, representation in the gospel of Pilate than any of the other gospels. And the reason why, I believe, the reason why is because he wants his reader to know that you can't straddle the fence. You, you either get in or get out because it's going to be uncomfortable if you're trying to live in two worlds. Hallelujah. When the truth comes and the truth sets you free, why would you be undecided about the action of living for the truth? Amen. I don't understand this. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to live for God, let's live for God with everything that we've got. There's folks that are not living for God at all, and they don't want to live for God. And so that's the two poles. So why in the house of God should a child of God be in between trying to figure out their identity? Your identity should be... I'm testifying here, should be, I am all in 100%. I am committed to Jesus Christ. I am not straddling the fence. I'm not halfway in, halfway out. I'm all the way in with what God is doing. Amen. I'm thankful for everything that he has done in my life, and so I'm going to give him the full action of my human experience. I don't want to at some point look back and say, I wish I could have gone back, collected some years, done some things differently. I want to give God everything I've got now. You got some young people saying, well, I'm going to wait and at some point I, I'll, I'll get things right and really, really get in. Then when they get there, they wish they'd go back and capture those years. 
Amen. Then you have some people that live for God in the early years, then they get somewhere in their experience, and then they get apathetic and, and anemic and weak and limited in their effectiveness. Praise God. I know you've got ups and downs. Every single one of us have ups and downs. But I'm just preaching faith here today. Let's get in. If we want revival, revival happens when everybody is committed to revival. 100%. There's not people that are on the sidelines spectating, but there's people in the game. And there's blood, sweat, and tears that they've invested in. When you have people like that, you have a move of God that takes place. The early church was affected because everybody was on board with the message and revival that was happening. Don't leave stuff on the table. Give everything to God. And John says, Pilate, Pilate, he's kind of in between. He can't figure out what he's thinking. He asked Jesus in John chapter 18, verse 37, are you a king? And Jesus said, Thou sayest that I am a king, to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. <laughs> I'm bearing witness to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? He asks that question. And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find no fight, fault at all in him. trying to position himself in between not acknowledging that Jesus standing before him is the truth and the Jews that are on the outside. So he's caught into two worlds. The truth is on trial and Pilate is the judge and Pilate is trying to make a decision about what he thinks about the truth that is standing in front of him. You can't straddle or halt between two opinions. Let God be God. Jesus said the emphasis on me coming is I want to testify of the truth. John 1.17 says the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 17.17 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth because thy word is truth. John 4, 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The truth is important. Ladies and gentlemen, the truth is important. I know people are running, fleeing. They're jumping off the ship of truth, but I'm staying on because it's anchored to something that is valuable. You want to create your own truth. You subjectively want to create your own truth. You go right ahead. It will you listen to me. It will not last the test of time. It will fall on its face somewhere. There'll be confusion that enters in. But I'm thankful for the word of God that has stood the test of time. I'm 51 years of age. I've never been disappointed with the word of God. Every time I've needed it, it's come through right on time. John 8 verse 32 said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. First Timothy 2 verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The devil is a liar and his lies 
will end up taking you captive. And in order to avoid being taken captive, we have to put on the truth. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 11 to the church at Ephesus, he said, in order to avoid being taken captive, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You were waiting for me to make a mistake over there, weren't you? <laughs> I listened to a guy. It has gone viral. He got to the fiery darts, and the F bled over into the darts. And so it became fiery, something that's not in the Scripture. But it just eliminated his message. It was over, over over, gone and done. So I, I, I made sure. Fiery darts. You got to stay away from the fiery darts because what happens is the enemy will infect you with the poison of his lies. And then when he infects you with the poison of his lies, you start leading a life not of truth, but a life that, a life that is filled with confusion. And when this happens, you become a captive at his will and at his dictates. Man, I know I've said it multiple times, but I just want to say this to the devil. Your marketing scheme and the things that you pose out there full of pleasure and all kinds of bright lights and good stuff and everything that you say is nothing but a road to destruction. And there's a lot of people in the world that, that are going to follow the dictates of you, the Pied Piper. But I'm not following the Pied Piper here this morning. I'm following the King of Glory that we sang about this morning. He's the King of Glory and he's in this this place. Amen. And I feel him. The prophet said, man, when captivity takes place and happens and occurs, we read in our opening verse, truth has fallen in the streets. And there's a long definition and description of where Israel is walking in darkness. Jeremiah added to Isaiah's um, statements in chapter 7 and verse 28. He said, but thou shalt say unto them, this is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. When you become a captive to the dictates of the captor, the devil, and the fiery darts that can infect you, then you become one that has no truth. Truth has perished. It is cut off from your mouth. Jesus' confession before Pilate was to point out the subject of truth and how people respond to it. You and I find ourselves at times 
and the same position as Pilate. Certainly, you had to come to a recognition somewhere in your life. I've followed, I've followed fool's gold. I've chased, I've chased a dream thinking that it was going to establish me somewhere. I was trying to be in the in crowd. I was trying to do the right thing and found that it was nothing but a lie and I paid the price for it. But today I'm in the house of God because my response to the truth was different than the way I responded years ago. At some point I had a decision to make how I was going to respond to the truth. I want to preach to you today that if the truth comes, respond accordingly. Don't reject it. Don't turn away from it. But let it impact you, change you, transform you, build you up, elevate you, encourage you. The truth will do it. If you will let it. If you will let it. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, they suppressed the truth. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of, of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They hold the truth in unrighteousness. They, 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 they reinterpret what the truth is and say and says that is unrighteous. They suppress it. Acts chapter 20 verse 30. Also of your own self shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. They will there are some in their response to the truth that will distort the truth. Romans 2, 8, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. There are some that will reject the truth. People's response to the truth. Romans chapter 1, verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. So in that case, they exchanged the truth, and they exchanged it for a lie. This sets a stage for battle. <laughs> we are in a warfare, not against flesh and blood. We're not, we're, not, we're not punching people in the nose because they don't agree with us. We are in a spiritual battle. You, knew, you need to do spiritual battle on your knees in prayer. Praise God. You need to walk in authority when you pray. Don't, don't pray some anemic prayer. Pray with authority, not based on your authority, but upon his authority. I bind every spirit that is not like Jesus Christ in this place and in this home and over these people. Whatever they are following, it is a lie. It is not the truth. And I bind that in Jesus' name. Send a wave of mercy over to brother so-and-so or my daughter or my sister. Let your power touch them wherever they are. Speak with authority because the truth is on your side. Hallelujah. I'm in, I'm in solidarity with the truth. I know that Jesus wants to save, so I'm with him. I'm against the enemy. I'm against captivity. I'm against bondage. Whose voice are you going to listen to? Are you going to buy it or not? Whose truth claims are you going to accept? <laughs> what are you going to invest in? Not necessarily your money, but your life. Your life is an investment. Buy the truth and sell it not. 
For there is a battle that takes place with what is the right truth claim and what is the wrong truth claim or what is a lie as the musicians come this morning. And people get in a situation where they have to choose between the two claims. They have to decipher. They have to make a decision. And so many, many people have made a poor choice of deciphering between the two truth claims. This is our, this is our challenge. Because if we're not careful, we become gullible and the enemy is very, very deceptive. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 9 says it this way. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all, listen to this, deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You know why I live for God and I sacrifice some things? Because I want to live in righteousness. Praise God. Did you hear what I just said there? That's a key, key point. You know why I sacrifice some things that the world might tell me I'm missing out on? I do it in my sacrifice because I want to live in righteousness. Amen. Others can make the claim and they can follow the path in life of doing what they think is going to be fun and good, but it's not walking in righteousness, it's walking in unrighteousness. And typically the unrighteous will look at the righteous and say, you are so missing out on what we've got going over here because what we've got going over here is fantastic and marvelous. <laughs> Lie big lie because when the night sets and you got to put your head on the pillow you're not happy about doing all the unrighteous things that you've been doing and ultimately you know there's some penalty and a price to be paid for that praise God but we it's the reverse I'm not going to let the enemy get the higher ground there what I'm doing is the truth and what I'm living is is the best life because it's a life of peace and joy. And all the sacrifices that I could ever make, all the sacrifices that I could ever make are not going to measure up to life and life more abundantly that Jesus provides to me as the one, the author of truth. Praise God. I'm thankful for the ability to walk in truth and according to his word. I don't want to live a life of distortion. John said, in this, the children of God are manifest. Lord, let your truth be manifested in me. <laughs> Praise God. Let your truth be manifested in me. In this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. That's the distinction between children of God and the children of the devil. God, help us to be the children of God so that we can bring people out of their captivity and out of the life that they are living into the realm of the truth as we stand together in this place today. Your power and your ability, O Lamb of God,
praise God. Help us to make right decisions and choices. Help our response to the truth. What is truth? It's conformity to fact or reality. I want the reality to be a move of your spirit and a move of your anointing. Praise God. What a terrible place this place would be if you came into this house and we were following a lie and we were projecting a lie and all that we were doing, all the accoutrements and everything that we were displaying, that we were really hiding behind something else and it was nothing but a lie filled with all kinds of abuse and confusion. Thank God that there is a clarity in the house of God, that God in this place reigns supreme because he's the one that deserves the glory. Praise God. I want to walk in that truth. I want to walk in that peace. I want to walk in that healing. It's lies that lead us to insanity, doing the same things over and over and over, expecting a different result. It's a loss of touch with reality. Amen. But Jesus brings to us the ability to walk in truth. Amen. I finished today with a quote from Daniel Webster talking about the need for the word of God. Listen to what he said. If truth be not diffused, if it's not spread around, error will be. If God and his word are not known and received, the devil and his works will gain ascendancy. If the evangelical volume does not reach every hamlet, the pages of the corrupt and licentious literature will. If the power of the gospel is not felt through the length and breadth of the land, Anarchy and misrule, degradation and misery, corruption and darkness will reign without mitigation or end. You can't stop speaking the truth. You can't stop preaching the truth. You can't stop reading the truth because if you do, something will fill up the void and the vacuum. And what fills up the void and the vacuum is the very thing that can destroy you. I want this word of God to be a daily diet. Let it permeate my heart and life, Lord. Fill me completely up with your truth because your truth brings life and it brings freedom. Praise God all over the sanctuary today with uplifted hands. God, give to us a hunger for truth. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place today. I know this is just a, a Bible lesson, but we, more than ever, we need the truth of God in the inward parts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As they begin to sing this morning with uplifted hands, God, I want your truth to set free.